Welcome to Dirt Road Divinity. I'm Lisa Wade, your guide along the scenic route of the soul. In episode two, I talk with international best-selling author, environmental advocate, and solo nature travel enthusiast, Sonia Louise. In this episode, we dive into Sonia's time in the wild, the 10 weeks that became a two-year nomadic adventure, and what she learned about herself, about nature, about spiritual guidance, and about her relationship with what she calls the thinking stuff that permeates, penetrates, and fills all things. May you enjoy this conversation with Sonia Louise, author of the book Go and the upcoming book Go Deeper. Well, I just want to say a big hello to everyone who is tuning in for episode number two of Dirt Road Divinity. I am so excited to have Sonia Louise with us today to talk about her amazing adventures in the wild, but also in life. And uh, Sonia, you have been, and I don't know that you know this, but you have been such an incredible inspiration to me in just even the short time that we've known each other. You know, sometimes people come into our lives that help us look at things from a different perspective. And you've been one of those people to me. So first of all, I just want to say thank you for for that. But also why I wanted to share you with other people, you know, so that they can maybe be inspired and and uh, and learn and grow from your insights as well. Thank so you thank- so much. That's such an honor, Lisa. And I can say the same. Your presentation in Santa Fe was really well done and very inspiring. Thank you. Thank, thank you for sharing your gifts with the world. <laughs> Even when we don't always know what those gifts are, (laughs) show up and put it out there and see what happens. Tiptoeing toward them. Now, um, your background is incredible. I mean, just it just from everything from launching out on your own at a very early age to championing social justice and working, you know, with homeless populations over time, working in a family winery, a variety of other things. You're you've had such a varied experience. And then, of course, your your first book, Go, mm-hmm. Go, <laughs> what, Sacred Solo Journey for Women? Is that Sacred, sacred Solo Travel for Women, yeah. Yeah, and the idea of you launching out 10 weeks and 10,000 miles totally on your own. And there was this concept of the book of divine disorder kind of being <gasps> thing that prompted that. What can you tell us ab- about that, kind of what inspired your journey and what on earth is divine disorder? Oh, goodness. So my varied life um, has been a result of guidance, although I didn't always understand it to be at the time. Um, At this point in my life, in retrospect, I can say that clearly I had been led into many varied opportunities. Um, The divine disorder that led me to go on the road was, um, you know how sometimes you are living the life that you have created that you thought would make you deliriously happy and there are people that you are committed to and that there's work that you are loyal to and then you start to get this inkling that oh like this isn't the thing (laughs) but what do you do because you know like you're committed and this is (laughs) this puppy is not (laughs) It's not going to go without you. And um, 
and I did. I was I was getting inklings that um, the family winery was not my purpose. Um, I, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> inklings gotcha. yep. that um, <laughs> that were that were really convenient to ignore mm -hmm. um, because of my um, integrity as a human being yeah. in relationship with other human beings and having made decisions um, for the sake of the family and the winery and just felt that that was not, I did not have it in me to walk away from that um, based on an inkling that I should be writing and traveling. And like, if it was something important, like, you know, curing cancer, like maybe it's like, yes, I need to leave the family winery because I'm called to cure cancer. But, um, but the idea that I'm supposed to be writing and traveling and like that is just not something that you walk away from a commitment to do. Um, and so, yes, divine disorder arrived at my doorstep in the form of a DUI. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Messages and from the universe come in all forms of shapes and sizes. <laughs> absolutely. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I knew that it was, um, it was an opportunity and I had a choice. Mm -hmm. And, um, and what was I going to do? I could double down on my investment and continue down that road, or I could use that as an opportunity to make the break that I needed to make. And, um, and it just so happened, um, right about that time, I found out that my son and his fiance were having a baby mm -hmm. and I had been invited to come to Florida and, um, and be there when he was born. And, uh, and it initially was this I've always been enamored by stories like Wild by Cheryl Strayed and Tales of Female Nomad and, and these stories of women that went on some sort of personal pilgrimage that tested them physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and they found out who they are and that they were more than what they thought they could be. And I'd always been just so enamored by those tales, but it seems like totally impractical. Like how does somebody just take three months out of their lives to just go do this thing? It just doesn't make, how does anybody do that? And, um, and now here was this opportunity staring me in the face. It's literally go to Florida. I'm in Washington. How do I get from here to there? Well, if I actually did the budget calculations, it was actually less expensive to just get in the car and drive. Yep. And, um, and it, just, it just dawned on me. It was like, oh, this is the opportunity to do the thing that I've always been enamored to do. Only at this time, I'm not going to be following in anybody's footsteps. I'm not hiking the Appalachian Trail. I'm not hiking the PCT. I'm not following any script or any um, path that's laid out before me. The whole idea was just to tune in day by day and take a step and see what happened and then take a next step and see what happened and then take the next step and see what happened. And it took 10 weeks and over 10,000 miles um, that I called my walkabout. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, kind of after the idea of the Australian Aborigines 
when they ventured out into the barren wild by themselves and, um, and how they had to rely on um, their instincts and guidance in order to survive. And they had to face their fears and they had to become resilient, find out who they're made of. And it was very much um, a rite of passage. And so I called it my walkabout that I was just literally going out into the wild. I have no idea other than by December, I want to end up in Florida. So I get in my car, I throw a few things in my car, and I drive away from my home in Washington, from all of my relationships, and from my work, and from everything, and walked about all the way <laughs> to <love> Florida. <laughs> and, um, and it was supposed to be that. Yeah. And then <laughs> as I was getting ready to settle down, um, you know, and get back to real life, get a real job and go back to the real world and everything, um, I was led in a different direction. And that first 10 weeks turned into over two years wow. of being on the road full time, camping, wow. hiking, two eating years. out of a picnic basket, visiting wild and untamed places. And, and it very much was a call into the wild that I recognized as being led. And, um, and so how could I, how could I say no? <laughs> I love this. So on several different occasions, you've talked about being led and being guided and listening. And how, how did this experience, not just 10 weeks, but two years and whatever came before, and, and I know that you're continuing to be led afterwards, how did that shape or influence or change your kind of relationship with the universe, your relationship, trusting yourself. Um, how, how did trust play into that? Oh, wow. Um, well, I guess trust was the foundation of it, right? Trusting that I am actually hearing guidance yeah. and that by following this guidance that something worthwhile is going to actually come out of it. And um, honestly, I had, um, I had created a life of my own choosing that did not turn out to be as delightfully delicious as I thought <laughs> going into it that it would be. And, um, and there, there was this idea that if I just um, surrendered my own thoughts and opinions about how, what's gonna make me happy and how I'm supposed to end up and just, um, just tune in and learn how to tune in. And, um, and that took many different shapes throughout my life. But on the road, what happened was that my very first solo camping trip, um, I, it became very clear to me that nature was communicating with me. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to discern what, what's being said here, but nature doesn't necessarily use English in her <laughs> communications. And, and, um, and I found it so astounding that nature was communicating with me or that something was communicating with me through the vehicle of nature, probably a better way um, to say it. But I just thought it was absolutely incredible. And so I very humbly asked to be taught her language. Mm. And so for the next two years, um, literally every moment of every day was tuning into 
the world around me and opening up to learn the language and then how can I receive information and then act in a way that um, moves the story forward, so to speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I guess it cha- it actually it did. It changed everything. Mm-hmm. It changed everything, and it led me into a deeper understanding of um, the nature of things and the nature of myself and my connection with all things and. Um, and what makes life worthwhile. Oh, I love that. I love that. One of the things through this you know, Dirt Road Divinity series that I'm really curious about is what people believe, right? I, I'm just a believer that there's not one way to do life or one way to do faith or divinity or whatever. And I'm so intrigued by what other people believe. And so I'm curious, what do you believe? You know, how, how did this experience and the experience of your life shape how you see the world, the universe, you know, your place in it? How does that work? Mm, yeah. So I will step back a few steps mm-hmm. <laughs> into my childhood and share with you that I was raised in the church and I did see miraculous things in the church mm-hmm. and was a part of what you would call supernatural things. Mm-hmm. It was an assembly of God church. So we were the Holy Rollers. Mm-hmm. And now, was this uh, in Oklahoma? Is that right? It was in, in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. <laughs> <I thought. laughs> yeah. 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 So when you said Oklahoma and I was like, oh yeah, I know. <laughs> you know how this goes. <laughs> so, um, so that was, um, and because of the things that I had witnessed and experienced to me, that was definitive evidence that this is true because if it wasn't true like that the stuff wouldn't be happening right I had a very limited naive understanding of truth and evidence and how we can um, come to conclusions based on the things that we see and experience as being true and real um, so it started with that and then actually developing a relationship with guidance, which for me, that was the person of Jesus Christ. So I believed, so we had full on conversations where I would talk to Jesus and he would talk to me. And I thought everybody in the church did that. And, um, I realized in my twenties that not everybody did that. And, um, and so I began to first be comforted by this presence. And then realizing that when I actually like followed guidance, um that amazing things happened and then I was being led into things that seemed to be contrary to what the church had taught me mm-hmm. for example um I also have Native American blood in my family lineage and they very very much believed in um the medicine of animals mm-hmm. and um the idea that animals um carry messages and that the divine acts through animals and um and so I, uh, you know, a- animals were visiting me in interesting ways and, um, and they were bringing me messages and the church would have said like, no, but you know, like you're dabbling in things that you see. You know, hmm. mm-hmm. um, astrology is another area that would have been taboo in the church, but I actually, um, again, following guidance, 
was led into experiences with astrology that were very profound. Um, I met people and heard things and saw things and miraculous things um, following Jesus <laughs> that seemed totally contrary to the box that the church wanted me to believe within. And yet the same presence that guided me in the church is the same presence that's guiding me outside of the church and everything is bearing fruit, right? You'll know them by their fruit. Everything is bearing fruit, good fruit. And, um, and so then um, I just started questioning, like, I, I was actually led into a lot of really interesting teachings and um, kind of the woo world. Mm -hmm. I was uh, meeting a lot of people who had a lot of different um, spiritual paths and beliefs. And, um, and I thought that maybe I had to let go of my church background and my belief in Jesus in order to learn more about these other things. But I just discovered that that is not true. Um, so now... Where I have come to is this, and this is a quote by Wallace D. Waddles, and, and then I'm going to add a little bit at the end, but basically what I believe is that there is a thinking stuff from which all things are made, mm -hmm. and which in its original state permeates, penetrates, and fills all the interspaces of the universe. I believe that the very nature of that thinking stuff, that infinite intelligence is love, is mm -hmm. a loving force, and that we are connected everything is connected because it permeates penetrates and fills all the interspaces of the universe and one of the other really wonderful truths that i came across that um hopefully by sharing it um, will be of value to our listeners is that um when we are in need and we seek um, to have those needs met um sometimes it's like i'm hungry you know God send me an apple, right? The truth that came um, out of another teacher was that when you're in need, God doesn't send the apple. He arrives as the apple. Oh, wow. Woo. Yeah. Wow. And so we understand that yeah. thinking stuff <laughs> from which all things are made in its original state permeates, penetrates and fills all the interspaces of the universe, you realize that anything that comes to me is not sent by the divine, but is the yes. divine itself presenting itself to have companionship and fellowship. Yeah. I love that. Gosh, I love that. Thank you. Thank mm. you so much for sharing that explanation and the way that you came to it. You know, so often the path isn't super well paved for a lot of us, or it might start out and seem really clear, but then as we start experiencing and questioning and wondering, and, you know, it, it can get a little messy and it seems like you've taken this beautiful, well, scenic route, right? <laughs> I mean, to really get really clear in what the divine is, what this infinite intelligence is that, that permeates all things. And I love that for you, it, you know, comes back to love too. Yeah. In Santa Fe, when we first had the chance to meet, um, 
I had followed you, maybe been a little bit of a, of a Facebook fan, perhaps a stalker, I don't, I, not really stalker, but fan um, for a while. And then when we had the chance to meet, one of the things that, that you said, and I'm, I'll probably get the wording wrong, but that, you know, as you were um, like finding yourself more in your own spirituality, that you felt a bit too woo for the church and too churchy for the woo world. <laughs> because I have, I have so felt that as well, you know, as someone who you know, also has a relationship with, with, with Jesus and, and other ascended masters, you know, as well. Um, but it's been sometimes a, a confusing journey to, to feel like I fit anywhere. And it almost feels like, like the question, I guess, is, did you feel like you fit in the wild? Did you feel like on your journey that, that you really fit there? I did. And again, I was completely embraced, completely accepted, completely adored, completely loved. Um, there was no outside influence to tell me what I needed to think or what box I needed to fit in or that this was wrong or that was wrong. I was literally learning from nature herself and through my relationship with the divine and I <laughs> love that the, I, yeah I don't know what other thing to say other than a resounding yes there was complete acceptance and also being out in the wild um there is nothing wrong out there one of the early lessons I learned um I was actually in a state park um and there was a fallen redwood sequoia giant sequoia that had fallen and um i rounded the trail and i saw this huge tree that had fallen and i was heartbroken and i was like oh and i put my hands on the tree and i was like such a gentle giant such you know majesty and wisdom and 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 you're and you've fallen like a fallen soldier like i was so Sad. And then I saw a placard that actually talked about just how important this fallen tree was to the ecosystem, mm -hmm. that it actually like holds water for times of drought. It's a nursery uh, where things grow. Like there were it really important reasons why this tree needed to fall and its service in the fall. And I started and, th and that was another thing that once nature taught me this I was like oh my goodness like what else do I not know about you I mean this is crazy to think that something that I would consider a tragedy you consider perfect like what else what other mysteries you know am I seeing things like can you help change my perspective so I can see things the way that you see them and so out in the wild I discovered that everything has its place everything is perfect in its place and so I was able to be exactly who I was and it was perfect because it fit in this beautiful harmonious um environment where everything had a purpose and a reason for being exactly what it was even the things that I would have thought were gross or dirty or uh destructive or it all had its place and so how could I not feel completely at one with all of that I love that. It reminds me of two things. First, 
my daughter and I were driving one time, she was maybe seven and we came upon roadkill and I'm one that, you know, <laughs> I, I, I get, I get saddened, but she was like, ah, thank goodness. I'm so grateful for turkey vultures and dung beetles. Okay. How come? She was like, well, otherwise the world would be covered in dead, dead animals and poop. And I was like, well, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, what a great way to look at, you know, things that other people might not necessarily appreciate at face value. But as you're talking about how nature helped you learn about the beauty and, and of all things and that there is nothing wrong and, and about that acceptance, that's one of the bigger lessons that you've shared back with me that I just want to thank you. Some of my friends and my daughter and others will know I am one of the most modest people I know. And when we were going to Santa Fe and we were told to buy, you know, bring a bathing suit because we were going to the Japanese spa and we'd all be in the spa and I didn't have a bathing suit. And I knew that that was my way of getting out of having to, you know, wear a bathing suit in the spa because I'll just, I'll just sit this one out and you chime in and you're like, well, no, if you don't have a suit, we'll all just go naked. And I was horrified, (laughs) horrified by this. And we all went naked. What were there? 10 or 11 of us in in this outdoor Japanese spa area, all naked. And it was actually one of the most liberating experiences I've ever had. And, you know, had it not been for your encouragement and support and, you know, just, well, of course, of course, this is how it's going to be. Of course, this is divinely perfect. I would have never done that. And even going into the experience, I was horrified. I mean, I am, I really am incredibly modest. And at the end, I had a different kind of appreciation, not only for you and the other people, predominantly women, one man in the group, um, but also had a different kind of appreciation for myself Mm -hmm. and for those things that I felt like should have been hidden, no longer felt the need to hide. And that those kinds of, of paying it forward messages that sometimes we don't even know how something we pick up in nature can affect us in a way that has such a meaningful effect on someone else. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not running around naked, you know, outside or even in my own home, you know, but there was something about self-acceptance through that, that was an incredible lesson. And it sounds like that was one of the lessons that, that, that deepened for you in your journey as well. Yeah, it, it sure, it sure did. Um, this feels relevant. Um, one of the quotes I came upon, a dear friend of mine, she's an artist. Um, she wrote a story and the moral of the story is let the outside in and let your insides out. Oof. And I think as authors um, and really doing any kind of service work in the world, um, when we're interested in the transformation and healing of people is um, being able to model that, that I'm gonna let the outside in and I'm gonna let my insides out and I'm gonna allow myself to be seen and I'm gonna allow the world to land in a way that can impact me and influence me. Um, and then I'm going to give that gift to others. Um, when we were there in Santa Fe and, and I was getting ready to 
contract with <laughs> um, Maggie and Sky to write my book, I was like, this is my statement as an author for this book is that I'm willing to be seen. I'm willing to disrobe to take off the things that ordinarily um I would use to cover and hide and I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna let my insides out and I'm gonna let the outside in mm. yeah go big goosebumps over that one <laughs> do you care to share and don't feel obligated obviously but do you care to share kind of the gist of your of your upcoming book yeah so um <laughs> well, basically my first book was called Go mm -hmm. and it was my first 10 weeks on the road and it was about the going. It was about, you know, women who have a yearning for solo travel and adventure. If it's, if it's in your heart to do, not only can you do it, but you should do it and you mm -hmm. can do it in a way that's smart and safe. And it was, you know, it was my like rally cry to women. If you want to go, go <laughs> and, yeah. um, and, and how to do it in a way that is um, transformational. Um, but that was, that book was about my first 10 weeks on the road. And so my second book is what happened next, because that 10 weeks actually turned into two years. Mm -hmm. And during that two years in the wild, I, um, I lived that idea of there's nothing wrong that I learned mm -hmm. in nature, that everything that is here is here for a reason. And it has a purpose mm -hmm. and that, um, there were things in me that my cultured self would have deemed inappropriate, unacceptable, wrong, bad, yep. worthy to be punished eternally. <laughs> um, and yeah. that those were things that um, would have been very convenient and was were very convenient to put in the closet, lock away. But being out in nature and realizing that there is nothing wrong with everything that's happening here and then being led into very specific um, situations where I had opportunities to meet those parts of myself mm. and to dialogue with those parts of myself and to see them in action and to come to a place of um, not just tolerance or acceptance but actually like embracing and realizing that there's power here that I had been denying myself by closing those things off. And so my working title is go deeper. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. If folks are interested in, in the first book, Bo, Go, it's available on Amazon and paperback. It is, is on right? Amazon. Yep. Or you can just hit me up through Facebook and I can get a signed copy to you too. Ooh, even better, even better. Well, if you don't mind, I'll definitely put the, the link to your Facebook page if, yes. if that's okay with you. Is there any other way that people can get in touch with you if, if they're interested to know more or is that the best bet? That's the best way. Um, I do have an email. It's Sequoia, like the tree, Sequoia. I love it. 1011 at gmail.com. Um, um, but yeah, I, I'm active on Facebook. I enjoy the Facebook community yeah. and, um, and yeah, so I'd love to connect. Perfect. I so appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today and, and share, Thank you. share your, your insights. And the minute you mentioned dragonfly, I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm seeing them everywhere. And every time I see a dragonfly, I think of you because Aww. again, how, 
you know, the messages that, that nature brings to us and how animals do carry, carry messages and meaning as well. So thank you for opening my eyes to that as well. And, and I'm just glad we're friends. <laughs> you bet. Same. Well, have a wonderful day to everyone who's watched this episode two of Dirt Road Divinity. Thank you so much. Go like the Facebook page if you like. We are going to be hosting these conversations on that page in the near future. But Sonia, again, thank you. And I look forward you, to Lisa. our next conversation and maybe a, 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 a duo travel adventure someday. Because that would be amazing. That would be fun. <laughs> that gave me goosebumps. Yay, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, have a great day and uh, we'll connect with, with all y'all soon. <laughs> Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the Dirt Road Divinity podcast and even leave a review. If you'd like to see the video versions of the conversations, head on over to YouTube and look for Lisa Wade Alchemy. They're all available there. You can also find us on Facebook at the Dirt Road Divinity page. Wow.